Well, I want you to open your Bible to page 323. You'll be in 1 Kings chapter number 19. We may be in this little stuff here about Elijah and Elisha for probably, well, for some more time. We don't have, but I think three more weeks after today, I think, and then we're into the Thanksgiving break. By the way, I heard John say, how do you like this cool weather? Folks, it's freezing. <laughs> I mean, did you hear, how do you like a little cool front? Folks, it's not a cool front. This is, I have on so many clothes. I'm bulletproof. If something hit me, now my head, they could get me here. But I, I just, you know, I don't like cold weather. I actually detest cold weather. And Dottie just loves cold weather. It's been one of the real tensions in our marriage all these years. But anyway, uh, I, I'll just put on clothes and go. But the wind's not blowing so bad today, but I'm glad John's enjoying the cool little front that we have coming through here. But I think Sunday's going to be back 85. Can you believe this? I mean, yes, you can believe it. We live in Texas, where if you don't like the weather today, wait, it'll be different in an hour or whatever. I want to talk to you today. The idea came to my mind as I was reading just in my Bible reading plan, some, I was like a few weeks ago in this, I'm beyond this now, but I was reading about this great prophet, Elijah. In fact, you're on page 323. Turn back to chapter 17. I don't know the page number, but it'll be just a page, but just back up to chapter 17. I want to show you something. It's interesting. When you read through the, when you read your Bible, the first mention of what many would say perhaps is the greatest Old Testament prophet in all the Bible. This man Elijah, you know, he, he didn't die. He went to heaven in a whirlwind, you know. He did. But he just, if you look in chapter 17, verse 1, here's the first mention of Elijah. It just says, And Elisha, the Tishbite, the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, so what I'm saying is, here's this guy that God's going to use in a remarkable way, and he just appears. We don't know anything about him. We don't know. Well, all we know about him is right here in this verse. We don't know anything about his call to be a prophet, his family. We don't know anything about it. He just shows up. And I, when I read that, that's kind of how the Antichrist is going to do. He's one day, the Antichrist is going to show up and say, look, now I've, I'm going to tell you how to have peace. Well, I was reading that the other day and I thought, you know, maybe that's what we, and we don't need an Antichrist, but I thought maybe the solution, it seems like things are not smooth in Washington. Have you noticed this? <laughs> what is the solution? Well, we say, well, we got another election coming up and that'll fix it. Well, we've been saying that all my life. Maybe, possibly, somebody is going to show up that God has that might could get in that deal and do something. I don't know. I'll just leave it there. But it's interesting about Elijah. Now, we're over here in chapter 19. And, and as I was reading about him, I thought, you know, in a lot of ways, he's this, I mean, he's called the man of God. He's not the only person in the Bible called man of God. But he's definitely one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. But in, in some ways, he's what I would call a sentimental Christian. Now you say, what is a sentimental Christian? Well, let me tell you. 
and you're around them, we're all around them, and we sometimes may be one of them and don't really realize either way. A sentimental Christian, what I'm talking about, it's a Christian who is always talking about what God used to do, what God did back yonder. They, they live on their spiritual memories. They, their testimony always looks back. Like when, when they talk about God, it's always something that, you know, 10 years ago or when I was a young man or a young woman, I, you know, I, I, I became a Christian. I became a believer. Back yonder somewhere, I, we, we went through this deal and, and God really met our need. They, they just, it's everything about the past. And I always, and now we need to remember the past. In fact, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 13, verse 6, where David said, I will sing unto the Lord because he dealt bountifully with me. We need to remember back the times God has been present and how God has helped us. But now listen, if a person and their only testimony about God is what God in the past did, then you have to ask this question. Well, what about, what, why don't they ever mention something God in the present did? And I'll answer that question. And Elijah is a great illustration of it. And we'll be in it in just a moment. We need to remember our past blessings, yes. But what about now? I live in the now. You live in the now. Yes, we're thankful for what God did in the past. But what's God doing in your life now? What, God, what is God doing in my life now? And do we ever, do we ever share that? Anything? Is it always just about the past? That is a sentimental Christian. And we, we need to be on guard of that. Now, I was reading the, the, the about what well, was one morning last week. It was it was the morning. It was a, it was last Thursday. We had gotten our MD Anderson final report on Wednesday, and so it was last Thursday morning. I got up and and went in the living room, and Dottie was already in the living room, which is very unusual because she sleeps later than I do. Um, but she's she's in the living room, and she had the lights on, and she was just kind of sitting there. And she said to me, sit down. Now, that's never good. Because <laughs> I think we're about to have a discussion, and she's going to be the discusser. She said, I want to show you something. I've just been sitting here in our living room. I want to show you something. And she started on the top of the piano. I'm in a chair right over here. I got as far from her as I could. She's over here when she says sit down. She said, look on the piano. Do you see that? It was a Christmas decoration. Very nice. She said, you know who gave us that? I said, no. Well, she told me. And she just started going around the room, pointing out all these things. All of it, it had, I mean, some of it was long years ago. It, it, like she just knows where we, where we accumulated. All, all this stuff has a real meaning to us. Like when, when we die, Dottie worries, what are the boys going to do with it? I just say, it's not my problem. <laughs> it's their problem. I don't, well, much of it, they won't even know the memory of it. They could not. She went around the whole room. It was the most meaningful thing. It all had to do with the past. And then she landed on, now let's talk about yesterday. How God's taking care of us now. And she started into that. And when she did that, I kind of went back thinking about this Elijah story. Now, it's interesting. Look with me 
in, in chapter 19, verse 1, let me read quickly here. It says, Ahab, now this is after the Mount Carmel experience. Remember up on Mount Carmel in chapter 18 where he challenged the prophets of Baal? Man, you talk about a guy that uh, he was going in the right direction there. Well, now we're over in chapter 19. After that, Ahab told Jezebel, that was his wife, that all that Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I did not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, death threat. And when he saw that message, he arose. Now here's this guy's up on Mount Carmel in the previous chapter. Uh, man, he's, he's all powerful up here. Now he runs for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed, now this, listen to this prayer, he prayed he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. That's Mount Sinai. And there he went, watch this. He goes now into a cave, spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. You talk about a guy at rock bottom. Verse 11. Then God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. Now watch this. And a great and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. Now these three, uh, like strong wind, earthquake, and fire in the Bible normally are talking about the presence of God. They refer to that. But here, God's not present in any of that. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, now look at this, a still, small voice. And then we'll stop the reading, but it says and when Elijah heard it, then he proceeded on. But if you underline in your Bible today, I'd say <laughs> draw circles around strong wind, earthquake, and, and fire and draw circles and highlight a still small voice. Now, back in chapter 18, we don't have time to read it, but in chapter 18 on Mount Carmel, he was close to God. Now listen carefully. And he acted in faith. In chapter 19, what we've just read, he, he, he was not as close to God he was not, he, he was, he had not lost his relationship and faith in God, but, but his closeness was not there. The fellowship was not there and he acted not in faith, but in fear. And you know, 
as we think about remembering what God has done for us is always an encouraging thing. But, but here, 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 here's the bottom line. Uh, there's some great lessons that we can learn in this. And the, the key to seeing what God is doing in the present is to live close to God in the present. Time and time again, I've had people say to me, Pastor, I used to be active in church and I used to read my Bible faithfully and uh, I was faithful in my prayer life and just somehow or another this and that and yonder and I've just kind of drifted away from the Lord. You know, we call it backsliding, a backslidden condition. Now, sometimes I just speak for myself, but I think it's true of all of us. Sometimes we feel closer to God than we do other times. There are just seasons. It's not like we quit believing in God, but just sometimes it seems like, you know, God, I just, I just feel, I feel just in tune with God, in touch with God, and and doesn't mean everything's perfect or whatever, but I, but I just feel and, and when when we're living close to God, what we do we find ourselves uh, seeing things that God has for us in the present. And our Christian life is not just all about what God did back yonder. I became a, a Christian when I was about seven and a half years of age, a child, a boy. And I didn't know everything about God then, don't know everything about God now, but the, that, that's just my testimony. It's, it's not an exciting testimony, but it is to me. But like, here I am, and, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful. I still remember when the pastor came to our home one Saturday and came in and sat down in our living room, took his Bible and showed me what I needed to understand. He was trying to see if I did understand. Well, that's a very vivid thing to me. I still remember that long, long ago. But, boy, it's been a long time since then. The exciting thing for me now and for you, we live in the now. We don't live in the five years ago or ten years ago. We live in the now. Those Past things are encouragers to us. But the key to seeing what God is doing now and what God's saying to us now is that we don't, we don't, we, we don't fail to do the things that keep us close to God. And that's, that's where the breakdown is. Like people don't just all at once just close their Bible, quit going to church, quit praying. No, no, it's, it's a gradual thing. Uh, the devil is very deceptive and people just kind of slack up here and slack up here and slack up here. And next thing you know, uh, they've kind of drifted in their closeness to God. I, I, another thing I look in that story and see reminds me, have you ever thought how thankful you are for prayers that God did not answer? You ever thought, have you ever, am I the only one who's done that? I mean, I prayed some long dingers down through the years. And I just, at the time, I thought, I know this is God's will. Why well, wasn't no more, I, I, you know, you can just get to believe in anything. I might have been sincere about it. Well, he prayed to die. He just asked God to take his life. Well, God, in verse 9, verse 11, well, God, God didn't do that. And then I think, I think another thing that I get out of this story, and this is where most of us really need maybe a little nudge, is when we go through challenging, hard things in life, difficult things come, bad things come, the, 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 the point is, <laughs> what we do is what is so important. Now, what Elijah did, he went and got in a cave. 
And what God told him to do was get out of the cave and go stand up on the mountain. There's a lot of difference between being on top of a mountain and in a cave. And when he was in, a, he was in that cave, he, he kind of had separated himself from being close to God. When he got up on that mountain, it was a whole different thing. So what I'm saying at that point is, and I see it so often, people go through so many things. And some respond one way and some respond another. Some difficult things in life, death, medical issues, whatever, it, it seems to draw people closer to God. Whereas other people, these things come and they drift from God. It's just opposite, opposite. Well, the key to this whole thing is we need in the present of life not knowing always what's going to happen, to do what we can and the things we know we should so that we can live our life not in a cave but on a mountain and, and, and see what God... Sometimes it'll just be a still, small voice. I don't know how God speaks to you. Of course, mainly God speaks to us through the Bible, okay? But sometimes in the word in the Bible, for is the word rhema, a rhema, is when the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit. Now, it will never contradict the Word of God, but it'll just, out of the clear blue, it'll be a Bible verse will come to your mind, or something will just kind of speak to you, and you just know that's God's still, small voice. Now, you say, I, I don't have that happen often. I'll tell you why. If that's true, you're not as close to God as you can be. If we'll be close to God, you know, I'm about half day to start with. So if you talk to me at a distance, like if I get that far from God in the living room, I can't hear half what she's saying. That's why I sit over there. <laughs> but if I get up pretty close, I can hear. I think same way with God. Sometimes we're sitting over in a chair way away and still small voice from God comes and we just not at that time is close to God. We've not been reading our Bible. We've not been praying. We've not been doing the things we have to do to stay close to God. We've kind of gotten in a spiritually, if I can say, a, a cave. We get up on this mountain and then you remember, hey, back yonder, that's what God did, but I see God doing something wonderful. You know, I had this happen to me here just a few days ago. I was just reading my Bible in my quiet time and I was praying about some things, uh, you know, about in my life and where I'm in life and what God has for me in life. And all of a sudden, I had a rhema come. You said, now what is a rhema again? It's God's spirit speaks to your spirit. Mainly, it'll be a Bible verse. Not always. It could be something else. But it'll never contradict a Bible verse. But I had Psalm 92, 12 come to my mind. And I thought... I think God's saying something to me right now. It's a still, small voice. That verse says, they shall bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. And I felt like God saying to me, I have some things yet for you to do. And in that prayer time that day, it was just one of the most exciting things. He didn't give me all the details of it. But instead of just being at this point in my life, and I encourage you at whatever point in your life, you know, look back and be thankful for what all God's shown you and done for you and through you in all these years. But hey, we live in today. 
And we need God to show us today what he has for us to do now and out there. And the way to do that, to hear his small, still small voice is what be close to him. And you do that by living on the mountain. You say, well, where, where is this mountain? It's wherever you need to go and be to help you be close to God. That is your spiritual mountain. And Father, life is so hurried, so hurried. I thought that this morning. I just thought, man, if I'm not careful, I've got so much to do. I'm not going to do what I need to do and spend time with God do what I need to do to be as close to him today as I can be for today. And we just live that way. God, help us find where our mountain is, that place, that thing that we can do and be that helps us be close to you. So when your still, small voice speaks and says to us, this is my word. This is the way. We'll hear your voice. God, thank you for the past times you've blessed us. Thank you, God, for the present we live today. Help us to hear today what you have for us and do today what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.